0: Listening to the Women Encouraged podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Berendrecht. We're all about growing in Christ and being shaped by His Word, so I'm delighted to be sharing with you these discussions with women who love the Lord, love His Word, and are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. We're praying that this is a place of blessing and encouragement for you. Welcome to the conversation. Hi, friend, and welcome back to Women Encouraged. I'm so thankful to get to share this conversation with Lindsay Carlson, author of Growing in Godliness A Teen Girl's Guide to Maturing in Christ. Lindsay and I had such a good discussion about the great value of pursuing growth, ways we can encourage one another, and the importance of coming alongside the teen girls within our churches. If you're a mom of a teen girl, we would love to welcome her to this conversation too and introduce her to Lindsay's ministry through this book that we'll talk about. If you don't have teens or even children, Lindsay's encouragement will still be thought-provoking and with so many takeaways and principles for application. Before we get going, though, I want to make sure that you know about the Women Encouraged Western Canada Conference coming up on April 17 and 18, 2020. We are so excited about this next year's annual conference and so thrilled to be welcoming speakers Lydia Brownback and Stacey Riach, who will be sharing with us about our freedom in Christ. Jesus says that if he makes us free, we are free indeed. But how does being made free by Jesus change how we look at ourselves and the world around us? We really hope you'll join us as we explore the freedom we enjoy in Christ and the things that we need to let go of in order to live the abundant life Jesus is calling us to. Mark your calendar and save the date, April 17 and 18, 2020. Without further ado, let's get started with my chat with Lindsay. Welcome to you, Lindsay. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for joining us on the Women Encouraged podcast. Thank you for having me. Would you just introduce yourself to our listeners and give us a little snapshot of your life? Absolutely.
1: So I've been married to my husband, Kyle, for 16 years. We just celebrated our anniversary. And we have five kids, and they are currently 14, 12, 10, eight and three. And so we have one girl, she's our oldest and she's about to turn 15 and the rest are boys. Um, and we have, um, my husband, we have recently, I was going to say we had recently moved, but we really haven't. We've been here about four years. We left um, Texas, where I'd grown up, and moved to Baltimore, Maryland to plant a church uh, with the Southern Baptist Convention um, with the North American Mission Board. And so my husband actually works from home, and I get to help out a lot with women's discipleship in our church plant. And then I like to write and speak and um, blog on all of those little tiny moments that are
0: left over. That is so great. I love it. And I love following you on Instagram. I know you're over there at the Lindsey Carlson, which is <laughs> that's so fun to me. I love that. It's like, not any Lindsey Carlson. You are the Lindsey Carlson. Well,
1: I like to joke that my name is so common that it's always kind of a race to get to the newest technology. So, you know, that just means that regular Lindsey Carlson was already taken.
0: <laughs> that's pretty funny. We actually, one of our team med- team members is on Instagram as um the real Miss exactly. Katie. Because <laughs> I guess Miss exactly. Katie is taken. So yeah. Super fun. Okay. And then you also blog over at lindsaycarlson.net, Carlson.net. Yes. Correct? I do. I am uh I feel like in this in this
1: launch season I have done more writing kind of on other places like the Gospel Coalition or Desiring God or um, just other places around the the world wide web. But um yes, technically it should be uh picking up a little bit more um
0: hopefully. Okay. Well, either way, it's a good hub to find other things, correct? like people can connect to you and other sites like Gospel Coalition and, and such. Yes. Okay. Yes. They are all bookmarked there. Perfect. Well, you have this book called Growing in Godliness and you've written it for teen girls, but you know, a lot of our listeners are probably not teen girls. So we're going to be chatting along the lines of how we can minister to teen girls in our lives, how we can understand them and um, what we should be doing in terms of being aware of and being an encouragement to them. But at the same time, like I said in the intro, we want to encourage moms, if you have a teen daughter, pull her into this, have her come and listen to what Lindsay has to say, because there's going to be a lot to just be encouraged with, and we would just love to share that with you. So would you share with us what led you to write Growing in Godliness? Absolutely. So
1: when my daughter was approaching 13, I started kind of thinking about my own years, entering into those teen years, and the teen years were not fun for me. That is not a time in my life that I would just excitedly go back to. And I don't think my daughter is going to have the same kind of um, nervousness that I had because she does know Jesus. Um, But I think that it kind of gave me this sense of like, okay, this is my first kid entering into the teen years. What can I pass on to her that I think I would have done so much better in high school in if I had just really known about Jesus, and so growing in godliness was the result of that—that um, that just desire to pass on the faith in a way that was kind of marking that entry into the teen years.
0: That is, that's so great that you are seeing your daughter's needs and recognizing, you know, what would help her, and just kind of taking that approach. I just—that's such a, a great um, way of thinking about it, and. Just ministering to the church despite ministering to who's right in front of you in that sense.
1: Well, and I think that also, you know, so I have a daughter, but then I have four sons. And so, yeah. you know, when you envision a mother daughter conversation, I mean, I kind of have these idealistic, like we're sitting down at the table, we're having tea, we're talking about girly things, but like really our life is loud and messy and always on the go. And so I found that just some of these conversations, you know, we're having a lot of kind of responsive conversations. So she's dealing with something. She's asking me a question. We're handling it. But we're not really getting to the questions that are like, hey, let's talk about God's sovereignty. Hey, let's talk about, you know, your feelings and emotions and how you bring those to the Lord, you know. So I think that writing, writing this book kind of became a way to gather, kind of all of the most important things that I've learned about the Lord over the years and say, hey, this should really be applicable to you as a teenager. And it would have really helped if I had <laughs> known all of these things as a teenager. So, yeah. but having those conversations, I think just in a way that's, um, that's kind of allows her to step away from the daily grind of normal life and just look at theology on just a really practical level.
0: For sure. And just weaving in like, through everyday life, these, these things that are, that just never leave us really these issues. Like we, you're never going to not need to know that God is sovereign or how to deal with your emotions. Like those are things that are foundational to just being a mature Christian. Absolutely. So so as Christians, how should we be viewing godliness as Christians? I think it's one of those words where you think, oh, like it's a far off idea for some people. They think like, oh, godliness is something I aspire to rather than something that I am to be practicing now. But also why is intentionally pursuing growth so necessary? So why why would we not just kind of like let it happen to us? <laughs> Good question. Yeah. So I think that, um,
1: you know, there's this scene in uh, Cinderella, you know, where she's about to go to the ball and she's in her rags, clothes, and, you know, the fairy godmother makes her over and she turns around and she's stunning. She's in this ball gown. And I think we kind of think of godliness in the same way, like we're going to be this rags to riches. You know, we look terrible, we are sinful, and then we come to Jesus and the wand is waved and We look amazing just like Christ, you know, and really the process takes a lot longer. We have to be a lot more patient and um, we're not always in the mood to be patient with how um, slow God kind of brings about that change in us. And so I think godliness is something that we want to look at as something that we're striving toward, but that we're obviously not going to fully arrive at until Jesus returns and Mm -hmm. completely makes us new. So The process of that, of going from you know, I was dead in my sins and transgressions and Christ has made me new. And now I am growing in godliness. It's just the process of sanctification. It's the process of becoming more and more like God, reflecting Him more clearly to the world, mm-hmm. um, fleeing from sin. Um, Romans eight twenty nine says, we are called to grow in godliness until we are conformed to the image of Christ. So that paints mm-hmm. the picture of an ongoing transformation process. Um, Wayne Grudem, a theologian, says that sanctification is an all-day, everyday process that makes you more and more free from sin and more and more like Christ in your actual life. So sanctification is not a top-shelf conversation for theologians to have um, at seminary campuses. This is something that I want to have this conversation with my daughter or with other teens in our church and with other moms in my church um, that says, Every day, I should be striving to look more and more like Jesus. Every decision that I make should say, is this going to help me change and be more like Christ, or is this going to keep me from pursuing holiness? Um, And as we make those decisions one at a time, we do grow in godliness. So um, when 2 Peter 3.18 says that we grow in godliness by growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, I think it's important to recognize that it's part grace and part knowledge. So... Mm -hmm there's an element of i come to the table and i pursue growth but there's also an element of god's miraculous grace is the one that opened my eyes god's miraculous grace is also going to be the one that's cultivating and stirring and changing
0: yeah and he doesn't create passive christ followers right he doesn't save you so that you can just kick back and and let it all happen to you like you were saying the cinderella um you know, experience of just kind of turning around and now we're, now we're great. Um, So what does that Christian life that's committed to growth actually look like, practically speaking, what would some of those things look like?
1: So, I mean, I just think, you know, sometimes uh, when we come to Christ, we think that we're going to like get a handbook um, that says, Uh, do this, do this, do this, and you'll be good. Check the boxes and you're fine. And really, we do have the Bible, but it's a lot more complicated. It's harder to start to learn to understand how to study God's Word. Um, And so we do need more mechanisms than just someone handing us the Bible. We need God's people around us. We need the church investing and interacting with us. We need discipleship. Um, We need prayer and communication with the Lord. And so I think that you know the Bible is living and active and is going to be shaping us and changing us as we um, apply ourselves to its um, reading and we hear from God as He speaks to us through His word. but um, but I think that sometimes in this current at least generation, Um, I've seen a lot of people kind of write off church as though um, it's not necessary because they can kind of, well, I can read the Bible on my own. I can listen to sermons on podcasts. You know, I have my Christian friends that I talk to on Skype, you know, or wherever they are. Um, And so I don't really need the church. And um, I think when we're talking about growth, um, one of the necessary mechanisms of growth is uh, recognizing weakness and sin in our lives and brokenness and having people just challenge us and come alongside us and encourage us um, as we're struggling and saying, Hey, this part of scripture really encouraged me, or this is the way that God has um, helped me you know, break free from that pattern of uh, sin. And so, I mean, I think we really need to not undervalue um, the mechanism of people being in our lives and seeing how we are living, how we are growing, how we are maybe not growing, how we're struggling, um, and really being able to speak into our lives and see us grow. So I think, you know, when you're saying specifically how uh, does growing in godliness happen, I think it's it's not a one-shot answer. It's not like, wake up and read your Bible every morning at 8 a.m. It's all of these things. It's the Christian life that Christians have been engaging in prayer and worship and fellowship with believers and taking communion and seeing people baptized and come to faith. Um, All of those things are going to shape us into people who look more like Jesus uh, because they're all intended for our growth.
0: So wonderful to hear that. I love that. Thank you for explaining that. And I think it's sometimes, you know, when, when we get into the, the pattern and the habit sometimes of um, just going to church, uh, maybe just trying to be a good person, we can lose sight of what the purpose of it all is for. And and even if you've only been a Christian for a little while, sometimes it's easy to just kind of feel like you're getting bogged down in methods or um, just maybe certain sin struggles that are making you feel like, what was I even doing becoming a Christian? Mm-hmm. But um what kind of dangers, like if, if you could just kind of explain for us um, the, the kinds of dangers that teen girls are meeting specifically today, even in our kind of culture, just even if they're committed Christians, what is, what are they encountering and what does God offer them um, in order to just grow them and secure them in Him?
1: So I think that um, the first disclaimer that I'll offer is that I think that it depends very heavily on where the teenager is growing up. Because I noticed that when we when we moved to Baltimore from Texas, um, moving from that Christian culture where my daughter was in a church where, you know, I mean, just the South likes to go to church. And so there is um, just a Christian culture that is like deeply ingrained in a lot of people. Uh, when we moved up here, the struggles of her peers seemed very, very different. Than right. what she was experiencing when we lived in Texas. So I think that there are some common threads, but I do um kind of speak generically about what those are because I think that they will range and vary from, you know, like a kid who um one of her closest friends in Texas um is a homeschooled uh mm-hmm. girl. And so she's gonna have really different struggles that she faces in her community. Than my daughter who's in a public school situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but I do think a common issue that can be seen kind of in a lot of those things, um, would be identity issues, which yeah. as women, we're not homeschooled. We're not public schooled. We're having identity issues also. So mm-hmm. I think that's something that we can very much understand. I'm having those as a mom. My daughter's going to be having those in her own sphere of life because they're just miniaturized versions of the fall, you know, so it's, they're having those same identity issues where they're wondering who am I, where do I find my value? How can I cultivate something in my life that will make people notice me or love me or appreciate the talents or gifts that I have? Um, and so I think that that's going to be kind of a really obvious one. Um, I think also when girls are in middle school and high school, that is kind of the time in life where, Um, specific areas start to come to the surface, like, wow, she's a really great athlete or man, she is a very good singer or wow, she's so smart. She makes straight A's, you know, and I think teenagers are starting to grapple with that. Like, okay, how do I rise to the top and stand out? Or they're starting to deal with the shame of why don't I have something that makes me special? So I think that, um, that's a definite danger for teenagers is to, Um, be distracted by the fact that the world tells them that they have to make a name for themselves. And obviously as Christians, we want them to understand that Christ has made a name for them, um, as adopted chosen children of God. And so, um, I think that's kind of the one that is the like lowest hanging fruit that I think that is very easy to just immediately relate with a teenager. Um, Mm -hmm. I think also, um, the desire to impress other people kind of stems from that identity issue. But, um, I think, you know, there's a whole other list of things that can go with that with just the trying to be impressive. Um, I think also just, uh, social media, again, this is a miniaturized version of, you know, moms and wives are dealing with this too. And women in general are dealing with this, but, you know, and I say miniature, but it's really not miniature because, Teenagers have less tools to deal with it and, you know, more, probably more insecurities that they're bringing to the table when they're coping with social media pressures. So, um, I think the, the feeling of loneliness and I don't have what other people have, uh, that all stems from those insecurities that come with lots and lots of social media. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So, so I would say in all of those things, You asked, um, what does God give? What does God bring to the table to grow teenagers and secure them in him, um, that are facing these dangers? And I think the most kind of obvious question to me is that God gives them a mirror to look back in and to say, this is what you're looking for, guys. This is the aim. And so when they want to go to social media and say, okay, this is how I should look. This is how I should dress. This is what I should be doing with my free time you know, all of those things are going to be very powerful voices that are willing to shape if you will let them. And I think that God gives us this very calming, peaceful, still water, you know, meadows and green pastures place to come and abide and say, Hey, drink the living water. Let your world be shaped by my word, find your grounding in me. And, um, and I think that If as teenagers, we are helping them to learn to do that right now in kind of this very loud season of their lives, we're going to be providing them with tools that they're going to need in the different busy seasons of their lives as they grow.
0: So beautiful. Thanks. You're so articulate, Lindsay. I love it so (laughs) much. (laughs) Lots and lots of suffering, man. That's that's what (laughs) put you there. (laughs) Well, the Lord has really gifted you with... uh, a way of communicating this. And it is really an encouragement um, to me personally. I don't have teen girls yet. I have boys that are headed that direction. I have some preteen boys, but um, my girls are, you know, five and three. And so I'm yeah. right now, I feel like we're just kind of laying the groundwork Absolutely. For, for this. And I think it's a really tempting... So I know that we kind of just said like if you if you're a mom of teens, like this is going to apply to you. But for those of us who don't have teen girls, um, it feels tempting for me personally. And I don't know if you ever experienced this when your daughter was younger, but to look at my daughters and feel like oh I I identify these needs that they have and these struggles that they have, I can see them, and then I feel like um, what if I failed and I haven't done what what right. What now, what they need for when they become teenagers. So I feel like my temptation is to look, you know, 10 years down the road and think, shoot, I screwed up and now there's no going back. (laughs) So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think
1: in that, in that situation, I mean, because obviously like I've got boys behind me too, and it, it has been interesting to watch my daughter grow because she is so not my personality. Um, Mm. she, she and I, it's not, it's not the difference that we butt heads, but it's, it's different in that my insecurities are not her insecurities. Yes. And so yeah. that often means that I have a very hard time understanding what her insecurities are because we're so different. And right. so I feel like there, I definitely absolutely you asked if I've ever felt that way. And I think a hundred percent, yes, but I think that the Lord has been so kind to show me that that all of the places that I struggled and that I was so insecure, um, in when I was a teenager, my parents, I don't think my parents really understood at the time. And I don't think that it was Mm -hmm. for lack of, um, articulation. Like, I don't think it was because I wasn't being open and honest with my parents. I think it was because sometimes the Lord just allows parents to not be able to meet needs in their children because Mm -hmm. he knows that they need, entry points for the gospel to come in and to say, you know what? Your mom couldn't fill that hole. She filled lots of holes in my life, but she couldn't fill certain ones. And so those were the places that the Lord met me when I was desperate and weak and longing for the Lord. um, And I didn't know it. And so I think that that's comforting to me as a parent to say, you know what? I am confident that there are things that I am missing in parenting. And I'm confident that there are ways that I am going to look back in the future and say, man, I should have done this differently. But Mm. thank you, Lord, that you see them before I even stumbled. And you've already got a plan to fill that in and to take care of me, you know, and to take care of her and you want the best for her. So it's just kind of like, I, I just feel like it's just merciful kindness of the Lord to know what my children need more than I do.
0: Yeah, that's so beautiful, and and it's such a reminder that you know when God calls us to humility with with His people with with one another, He tells us to put on humility. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't He doesn't mean that that ends when you're a parent and now you can just kind of like look mm-hmm. at your kids like I've got this together and I'm going to meet every need. Like you just aren't, and mm-hmm. you're going to mess up, and you're going to. Um, have a lot of opportunities to repent to your children and ask forgiveness yeah. and and even ask them forgiveness for the ways that we can't meet their needs and um that's so beautiful that your explanation of just how these entry points they're they're not just gaps in our parenting. they're entry points where God comes in, and he he meets the needs that we can just not and and it's His grace across the board anyway, even when we are able to meet the needs, right? So right. yeah, that's, that's well, so and we great see, hear.
1: We see it as though it's a mistake, like, oh no, there's this brokenness or this challenge that my child is experiencing that I have no experience in, or I have no ability to help with. And I really think that sometimes it's very intentional, like the Lord wants that there, wants you to have no experience because He wants you to have to come to Him, and ask for help, you know? And yeah. so it's actually, it's not even just good for our kids. It's also really good for us to experience yeah. that, like, Lord, I need you in this parenting. Like I've read all the books and I'm at a loss. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? To to just say, there is no expert that can help me understand this about my child. Like only you can help me to see how to serve them or answer them or provide for them and right. um and so i really do think the parenting child dynamic like humility you're 100% right is that that humility is is the way in parenting
0: like <laughs> the this start on your face right oh, yeah. so it's so hard but it's mm-hmm. so it's so good and it really is god's mercy to us that he that he allows us to walk down these roads with with these girls and or with these teens or of any age of child, really, yes. to, to yeah. just experience his grace and his mercy and the way he shapes us and the way he shapes them. And man, um, that is, it's a full, full subject. We probably could go on with that in a, a lot of different directions. But I know um, I kind of told you before that many of our listeners are, you know, between their 20s and 50s, 40s, 50s. Um, there are a lot of them are my age, mid 30s. So for those of us who are, you know, recognizing teen girls in our churches and communities that we see have these needs. Um, what are some of the ways that we can faithfully come alongside them? And what do we need to be aware of and looking for when it comes to discipling teen girls? So I was so excited um,
1: to hear this question. when um, when when you sent me the questions, I was very excited. I think that women, Tend to see teenagers and think, "Oh, those are the responsibility of the youth ministry." And in the hallways of the church, we can tend to overlook um, age ranges that don't fall in our kind of boxy jurisdiction. So, right. if we're not if we're not uh, teaching in the toddler class or teaching in the youth ministry, not my responsibility. But when you look at the Bible and how the church serves with the varying gifts, um, I don't see the, like, get out of responsibility pass just because like, that's not the box that you signed in on a Sunday morning. So I think that one of the, the greatest things that we can do as followers of Christ is to, when we walk in the church doors, see people as people and not as categories that someone else is responsible for. So I think that when we look and we see people who are, you know, say teenagers, um, they are people and they understand life in maybe a different season, but they're experiencing the same pain that you're experiencing, suffering, the desire Mm. for approval, the need for understanding their identity, um, all of those things, because they're human and they're image bearers of God, they are experiencing and so your life and your story may have explicit things in it that would be able to come alongside them and pour into them in a unique way. And so I think that we can tend to unintentionally rob um, youth in our church of the joy of discipleship because we're just seeing them as someone else's burden. And so, um, so I think that's the, that's the first kind of easiest thing is just seeing them. Um, And then I think also praying for them and their parents. I think it's also really easy when we come into the church with this kind of like, oh, you're so-and-so's kid or you're so-and-so's teenager um, and to see them and um, not necessarily be judgmental, but to kind of think, you know, Oh, I wouldn't let my daughter dress like that. Or, Oh, I wouldn't let my daughter read that. Or I wouldn't let my daughter go to school where she goes to school. Um, like it's really easy to kind of, uh, especially if you have younger children. Um, and I can say this because I remember the struggle, um, (laughs) walking into the church with my, you know, my four children that are under eight, you know, and I've got life as a teenager figured out, like where they will go, what they will listen to, how they will speak to me, et cetera. Right. Mm, And so, and I think that I missed out on a lot of opportunities to be like walking with people who were grieving and hurting and struggling and Mm. attempting to be faithful with their, um, the way that they were raising their children. Um, because I just was not humble, you know? Mm. So I think that, uh, you can come alongside teen girls when you're not busy, like, summing them up and deciding if if that's how you would raise your own child
0: right um, yeah
1: and again that goes back to seeing them as people and saying hey there's a reason they're dressing like this or there's a reason they're seeking attention in this way or there is a reason that they look sad all the time and maybe god is calling me to step in and help rather than to just go huh that's weird and yeah. keep walking, <laughs> you know <laughs> like so so that's i think that's the um that's the kind of easy thing that we can do. Um, I mean, I think you have some more questions that get to kind of the more spiritual elements of how we can plug in. Um, but that's kind of, I think, something that we can all just commit to doing.
0: That's so great. Those are some good, just really good pointers, because I think it is really easy for us, especially, I mean, if you've got a, a really dynamic youth group or, you know, youth pastors that are very engaged. It's easy to kind of just pass people off to whoever seems to be in charge there. Instead of really seeing that God has placed you both in the same church um, for the purpose of his glory and his kingdom and that you get the chance to build into their life. Like that's just something that it's really easy for us to just kind of like let pass us by. Um so thank yes. you for that reminder. Um, so how can we be an encouragement to these girls and and really to one another in our growth in godliness? What are some of those things that we can do or say um, that would just minister grace to them? Yeah. So I think
1: looking at, like you just said, seeing them as, okay, God has gifted me uniquely. God has um, placed us in the church at the same time together. Um, and I am going to talk, I am going to answer this question in the perspective of within the local church, because I think that discipleship happens best in the context of the local church. So even though I'm writing a book to random teenagers that I do not know, it was first and foremost written to my daughter who is in my Mm. church and in my family. And I do know her. So I think that, you know, when you take God's truth and put it into a book, hopefully, you know, how I wrote it will be applicable because it's God's truth. Um, but Mm -hmm. I think that when you're looking at your, um, you know, the question of how can I be an encouragement to teen girls that are growing in godliness? I would first ask that question. How can I apply that in my own context of my own local church? And I think that in our own local churches, often there are girls that may not click with a youth group. So, um, I, I, I think it's great for adults that are very wired to step into a youth group position and say, you know, I want to be a youth group, small group leader, or, you know, I like to teach groups, group Bible studies to youth. Um, I've done that and it's been a joy. But one of the things that I have noticed over the years is that there are always a handful of girls who are kind of on the edges and the outskirts that just don't connect for whatever reason. And sometimes it's because the youth director, like the personality difference just is too much. Sometimes it's because there's like unique home challenges. Sometimes it's just like a social gap between the kids that are there that isn't being overcome um, by the situation. And so I think that sometimes as what I have seen among youth group leaders is you know the the hope that these kids will just kind of jump on board and acclimate to whatever the situation is, but there are often so many barriers um, socially in that time of life, and it's so hard that to kind of expect uh, a high schooler or a middle schooler to be able to prioritize growth and godliness and be able to jump over these social boundaries, you know, and emotionally ad- adapt. That's a really big challenge for a lot of, for a lot of kids. So I would say when these girls have so many things to overcome and they're not connecting with a youth group, one of the greatest things that we can do for them is to, to recognize that distance and to say, you know what? So-and-so, I mean, obviously this is an internal thought. So-and-so is having a hard time plugging in. Mm -hmm. How can I serve her? How can I come Mm -hmm. alongside and disciple her? Because she may thrive in a one-on-one context And really not connect in a big group context. And so I think if you are a person who loves discipleship, or even if you're a person who just loves to teach the word, go to your youth group and say, Hey, you know, if you have somebody that just needs a person and you need me to meet with someone, be willing to be that person that is paired up with somebody that just needs a little bit of extra tutoring, you know? and yeah. see yourself as a private, you know, spiritual tutor. right? Um, because I think that, you know, some of us, we don't necessarily have time to go to all the youth events and to like play ice hockey and do all the things, but I would absolutely have a cup of coffee with somebody once a week and say, Hey, let's read through the gospel of Mark, you know? Right. Totally. Um, so I think that, uh, seeing teens in a way that says, um, I would like to disciple you and, to appropriately engage, you know, I say appropriately because I mean, I think it would be, you know, weird for us to just randomly approach a kid at church. But like, if, yeah, if there's a parent, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, so that's what I say, go to the youth pastor, go to a parent, you know, and do this in a healthy way. But I think that, like, I look back on my own teenage days, and I loved youth group. I did fit in. I went regularly but I was not learning about the Lord and I was not like taking in the gospel. I was absolutely going for social reasons. And so I wish that someone would have seen me and said, I don't think this girl gets it. Like, and I mean, I don't know, maybe nobody noticed that I wasn't getting it, but, um, but so like, I think there are times when someone enters your life, the Lord puts you in the same season at the same time, and just being aware of those opportunities that exist. Like I've had babysitters. I mean, when you have five kids, you see a lot of babysitters, you know? Yeah. And absolutely. In, in our course of raising children, we've had a handful of young women who have come through our home, um, in a time where I was very needy and I was desperate for someone to come in and just give me a little bit of a break during a summer mm. day, you know, and they think that they're serving me, But then I am forming this relationship with them in a way that they're able to see how I'm raising my children, how I'm showing them the love of Jesus. And then when they are growing up, we form this relationship that they now trust me and know me. And I think some of the sweetest relationships um, as an adult are relationships that I have with other women who are now adults but that I knew as high schoolers and middle schoolers, you know, and now they are pouring into my husband and I, like our ministry, they're making financial investments into like supporting a church plant and giving back. Like, like it's so incredible. We just have such a, um, I think we just have a low threshold for, what we could bring to the table of a teenager's life because we think, well, I'm not cool. I don't have anything to offer her. But if you have the gospel to offer her and you have
0: joy in your heart, you have plenty to offer a teenage girl. That's so wonderful. Um, It is so helpful to hear because I think for myself, I I do fall into that trap of feeling like, well, gosh, they don't want to talk to me. I'm not like... I'm not awesome. Um, But then I do love, I do love those relationships. Like even with our babysitters, the ones that, that need a ride home or something like Mm -hmm. that. Like we actually have this babysitter who lives 20 minutes away. She doesn't drive yet. And I love the moments of driving her to my house and driving her back and, and the conversations we get to have because you just, I can, I get to hear from her what God's been doing in her life, but also I get to share with her, like you know, what, what it means to love God's ways and to love his character. And that's just an exciting time for me. And I just, sometimes I don't think about that as a discipleship opportunity, but it really is. Absolutely. And I mean, and you think about it from like in a church perspective as the
1: mother of a daughter who now is that person that's babysitting for other people. Like, I mean, I think about the opportunities that I have for my godly friends to invest in my daughter those are treasures to me. Like I would love for my daughter to spend as much time as possible with my friends because I know they're godly and wise. And so if someone is going to pick my daughter up, give her an opportunity to earn money and then talk to her about the Lord on the way there and the way back, like you are giving her mom a gift too, you know? And, and parents, I mean, I think about there's a specific girl that comes to mind that, that I just, every time she would come to babysit, I mean, it was a very intentional, like I prayed for her before she came. I prayed for her while she was there. I prayed for her when I took her home. I tried to always ask really like invasive, gently invasive questions and challenge her, you know, every time we were together. And, um, and I, I think she was responsive and receptive to it. I, I don't think it was like an uncomfortable thing. Um, but she hit some really, really big challenges. Um, a few years after we moved and she was back in Texas and watching her move through that season of life. You know, I just Mm -hmm. was able to pray for her in such unique and specific ways because she wasn't just so-and-so's daughter. She Mm -hmm. had a face with unique challenges and unique burdens and unique insecurities that I had come to know over the years she'd been to my home. And so even though I'm across the country and I can't do all the physical things to help her that I would have loved to do, I am actively working in prayer and lifting her up in ways that I wouldn't have been able to do if I hadn't have had spent that time discipling, just kind of like in that routine um, while we were living there.
0: Yeah. I think it's God's grace actually that we don't see the the full effect of what we're doing or not doing mm-hmm. but um yeah. yeah I think it's I think it's so easy for us to just think like well I was just picking up a babysitter or I was just you know Exactly. I was just yeah. talking to that girl. I you don't realize what that's actually doing for them and I just remember thinking and I think you mentioned this before we started our recording you remember what it felt like to be a teen girl and and I I remember some of those things so acutely that I struggled with. Um, and you know, time does dull the memory for sure, but there are things that just are still so fresh in my mind that when I see different girls, I just think, Oh, I know (laughs) what I can just see it going through your head or I can see that pain or that struggle. And I think it's so important that when we, when we, sense that ability to identify with what they're going through that that's that's an open door for us to just say like um hey i see you like you were saying i see you i'm gonna pray for you um i i want to talk to you about what's going on in your life like it's just such a this is such a rich conversation Lindsay. i'm just loving it thank you so much for um for coming and and talking about this i feel like i could talk to you for hours about this it's just (laughs) just like just awesome i love it so much discipleship is like that, you know, though it
1: should be, I mean, we should just enjoy being with people and sharing our love for the Lord, you know? So I think that you are touching on a subject that is exciting to talk about, because I think that, um, it, it's a propelling, uh, thing like to love the Lord and to want others to know. Um, and I just think that sometimes like, you know, you were asking earlier in one of the questions, like, what are the dangers? And I think that, the dangers are that we get so caught up in doing like things that distract us from the joy of discipleship. Like when we stop to talk about it and we stop to consider it, we think this is so great. Why can't we just sit around forever and talk about the Lord? And it's like, and it's like, because we're so busy running and doing and going. And, you know, and so I think just like making that space, you know, just like you make that space with having this podcast and being able to talk about things that are important to you, if you feel like discipleship is important to you, or if you feel like you have a specific heart for teenagers, like make that space so that you're bumping into them. And so that you are like, you know, say to a mom that has a lot of kids, like, I would love to disciple your daughter if that's something you're interested in, or, you know, just like thinking outside of the box in ways that you could serve in ways that uses your gifts and serves and blesses the body.
0: So beautiful. Ah, Lindsay, thank you again. Um, One last question that I ask everybody, what has the Lord been using in your life lately? Just maybe a book or a person or experience or whatever it is, um, just to encourage you in your walk with Him. So
1: I think the Lord has been bringing to mind how much suffering shapes who we are. And I don't necessarily mean suffering that's, like, catastrophic, like, you know, you've lost a parent or a family member. Um, I just mean, like, the regular amount of suffering that believers face because we live in broken, sinful bodies in a broken, sinful world. And um, I think that sometimes I tend to, as a Christian who is growing in godliness, think that if I just kind of deny suffering and I pretend it's not happening, Mm. that that's what God wants from me. That God wants me to just like keep a stiff upper lip and kind of put on a happy face and pretend that everything is okay. And and so I think that growing has kind of showed me that a mature Christian can have mature uh, feelings of suffering Mm. and say, Hey, Lord, I'm hurting and I need your help in the yeah. season of my life. And, um, there's a book that, uh, I just recently finished, um, called God's grace in your suffering and it's oh, by yeah. David Pallison. Yeah, yes. exactly. It's by David Pallison who actually just did pass away yeah. Um, yeah. from cancer, but this is a man who is well acquainted with with suffering and what it looks like in the believer's life. And I just feel like, um, I actually am also, um, reading through the Bible right now in a 90 day plan. I like to read, um, 90 days in chronological order. And that is, yeah, I know
0: it sounds super intense and, You make, you make the Bible reading challenge that we, a lot of us have been in sound like a breeze. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I just feel like there
1: are different styles that work for different people and that rev them up and that keep them on track. And I think it's, you know, the goal is not like how many words can you cover or in, you know, how fast you can get there, but just the, the routine of displaying God's word before your heart, you know? Yes, um, yes. so I think that, uh, the, there's a specific reason that I'm doing that right now. So, um, but I think that one of the reasons I love doing 90 days is because you do get to be kind of like in the bird eye view, like where you right. go more quickly. And so it's easier to pick up themes and to see, um, the way that the spirit is moving. And so, Um, having just read that book and having kind of uh, the experience of, you know, in church planting and pastoral ministry, you just walk through so much suffering with people and Mm -hmm. there's just so much natural life, you know um, and brokenness to experience alongside of people and to see it kind of in, you know, regularly. And so seeing um, the book of Job in my 90 days kind of alongside and next to uh, the David Pallison book, I think has really mm. just encouraged me with how honest Job is about the bitterness of his suffering yeah. and, um, and the fact that Job says um, that, you know, God is talking about how righteous Job is and how he's, you know, sinless and um, he's being tested and he, all of these really terrible things are happening. And Job is willingly admitting that it, that it's bitter that he's suffering and that, he yeah. doesn't feel yeah. God and he doesn't know where God is, and he's looking for God, and he's still crying out to God, even though he's hurting, um, but it doesn't change his circumstance immediately right, right. and um, and so I just think of when it comes to teenagers that's um, been a good kind of reminder uh, as I've been starting to talk about my book a lot um, that I think I wanted in my teen years for someone to give me the magic pill that would say like, mm. okay, this doesn't hurt anymore. You know, like yeah. teenage yeah. years are painful because you're learning that the world is broken in a new way, mm-hmm. you know, and people yeah. are learning how to be people and they're hurting you, you know? And, yeah. um, and so I think that uh, suffering is something that we as adults um, would do really well to kind of refresh on, um, when we consider teenagers in our path, because they are suffering in ways that um, are often less equipped than we mm. are to face. And with the added burden, I think, for Christian children and teens to think that it's um, like a lack of faith if they express sadness or or grief and sorrow. Right. So, um, so I just I think it's uh, that's kind of what. The Lord has been encouraging me to just be sensitive toward other people's pain and um, in a way that just bears patiently with them. And that doesn't become like Job's friends who are saying very heady theological truths about God, but not necessarily in the context that they need to be said, you know, with love and mercy and compassion.
0: And so many assumptions that they make yeah. too, <laughs> just yeah. and, which yeah. is easy for us to do when we, whenever we're looking at somebody else's life, it's easy for us to make assumptions. And and I think especially when it comes to teenagers, we could think like, well, if you would just make smarter choices, or you know,
1: exactly. or yeah. it's like it's like the different version of you know, like when moms that have kids in a season past you, you know, will say like to the mom with a three year old, like, oh, just wait, like. It gets yeah. so much worse. And you're like, how yeah. is that really helpful to me right now? I'm and cool. Target, you know, and, and I think that we tend to do that with teenagers too. You know, like we tend to be like, Oh honey, I know when I was your age, we had blah, 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 you know, or like, yeah. I didn't have Google to be able to help me with my homework. I had to go to a card catalog, you know, like, right. I mean, yeah. we try to like ramp up, our experience of suffering in their eyes like that's going to like make them feel better
0: or so, ma- yeah. make
1: them feel more endeared towards you. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. It definitely does no. not.
0: <laughs> this has been such a blessing. Lindsay, thank you again. And I just pray that the Lord will continue to bless this book and get it into more girls' hands. I'm excited for it. We will um we will connect the ladies who listen with your website and with your Instagram is there anywhere else we can find you on the internet
1: I am on Facebook um, okay. but I it's not a it's a it's not a public like it's just my normal Facebook you're welcome to okay. go find me
0: okay so fun okay well God bless you Lindsay thanks again thanks again for joining us We would love to have you connect with us on social media at Women Encouraged on Instagram, on Facebook at the Women Encouraged page, and over at our website, womenencouraged.ca. You can also find more from Lindsay on her website, lindsaycarlson.net. The good news of your pursuit of growth in godliness is that this is something the Lord delights to work in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it a beautiful thing that God is even more concerned with our sanctification than we are? He's given us everything we need for this journey of growth in the Lord, the Apostle Peter tells us in 2 Peter 1, 2-3. His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. So as you pursue Him in your own life, And as you reach out to the teens around you, in your home and in your church, remember that the Lord is with you in this endeavor and will certainly accomplish His good work in you and in them. We don't approach these efforts to grow in godliness and maturity in our own strength apart from the Spirit's power. We have a God who has given us Himself, and He is with us to the very end. Paul tells us in Philippians 1, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. May this be true for us and for the teen girls that we minister to.